Nazar Perik Zayin, Mishnah Dalad 7.4, the last of the Perik. And our point of departure here is to explore this rather unusual halacha we saw in the previous uh, Mishnah, that although certain things, most notably a revius, a quarter lug of blood that comes from a corpse, makes a person tame mida oraisa, that's true whether he has direct contact, maga, indirect contact bearing its weight, masa, or even just is in the same room as it, over, under it, or under the same roof as it, that's ohel. So while a person becomes tummy medoraisa from that revius of blood, if it happens to a nazir, even though the, the, the blood came from a corpse and he's tummy medoraisa, the nazir doesn't have to shave his hair and start again in terms of his count of naziris. And that's quite peculiar and exceptional. That's a point of departure. Now, our mission is going to explore that a little bit. And the first thing the mission wants to do is consider a possibility that um, that leniency that applies to the revius of blood when it comes to the nazir and also perhaps the, the bones. Anyways, so um, should also apply in the context of entering into the base of Mikdash. So understand there's a rule of Doraisa, one of the six routine, that a person may not introduce two months to the base of Mikdash. There are various um, stages of proximity to the in the Mikdash and around the Mikdash um, where different levels of Tumah Tell me people may not enter. Okay, but the bottom line is on a Doraisa level, the threshold is that a person with any level of Tumah, even a Mechusr Kippurim, may not enter into the temple courtyard from what's called the Ezra Sisral and inwards, that area of 135, 135 Amos, um, where the temple altar is, as well as the Mizbeach, as well as the Ulam and so on. You can't enter there with any Tumah at all. And if one does, so the consequences are, if it, he does it on purpose, so then he's liable for karis, divine excision. And if he does it um, not on purpose, Bishogeg, he didn't know he was telling me, he forgot. Um, so then the consequences are that he brings a chatas offering, a sin offering. And the truth is, it's actually a, a variable sin offering called the olivyurid, depending on how much he can afford, whether it's an animal or birds or even a meal offering. In any case, what our mission wants to suggest here as point number one is the possibility that just as exposure to blood from a corpse has a does not make the nazar start again, that also a person who had exposure to a corpse in the same way, we'll call that the revius of blood, only one revius of blood, it's supposed to half a log of blood from a corpse, if one had such exposure and went to the base of English, he should not be liable for the derisa. That's the suggestion here. Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Mishum Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Eliezer said in the name of Rabbi Yeshua, Chol tuma min any tuma source that emerges from a, specifically from a corpse, shah nazir that requires the nazir to shave his hair and start again, chayavan albias mikdash. If a person who, even if he's not a nazir, he had such exposure to corpse tuma, and now in that state he enters into the mikdash, um, within the Israel, so then he'll be liable for the consequence of the Doraisa, Karas of the Korban. Okay. But the inverse is, V'chol Tumma Min HaMais, any Tumma source that originates from a mace. And again, we're talking specifically about Tumma source that originate in, in mace. We're not talking about, like, say, a Mitzorah or a Zav, who, if a Nazar becomes a Mitzorah or a Zav, we saw he doesn't, he doesn't have to start again, but certainly a Mitzorah or a Zav who enters into the Temple Courtyard will be liable for Karas, etc. But if it's Tumas Mace, so let's focus again on the case of the Revius of blood from a corpse, which wouldn't require a Nazir to shave his hair and start again. 
that also a person who's in such a state of tuma also uh, shouldn't be liable for entering the base of Mikdash. The dinim are connected. Now, why in the world should they be connected? So there's a couple of approaches um, in the Mavorshim. The simplest approach is that we're talking here about a halacha la Moshe Mesinai, a tradition we have that goes all the way back to Moshe, and it doesn't depend on any verses or any limud and so on, just the din all to itself. Which I mean, according to that approach, we've got on the table here effectively two independent halachos la Moshe Mesinai. One halacha la Moshe Mesinai is that even though the Nazir is tamay by exposure to Barbias of blood, Magamasa Ohel, still, if it happens to him, he doesn't lose his count. Why should that be? Halach Lamosh Mesinai. Then we have a second Halach Lamosh Mesinai, which is that's similarly true when it comes to any person who has exposure to a Revius of corpse tumor, Magamasa Ohel, doesn't matter. If one goes in the Mikdash, he wouldn't be high of a Corbin from that alone. Fine. And it's two separate standalone halachos lemosha misinai. There are other approaches, um, possibly even it's a limud, from the fact that the one pasuk says v'time rosho, ro, excuse me, v'time rosh nizro, and it says also es mikdash Hashem time. So there's like a time time gzeir um, shava that would tell you that the rules apply from one to the other. Um, the Ram even has a different approach that it's because it's only a derabanan this revius of, of blood. But anyways, let's keep things really simple here. Um, and straightforward and focus on the main point here. We have a lot to say still. That we're talking about two separate standalone halachas the Moshe Mesinai. Now, Amar Reb Meir, Reb Meir objects this. He says, Lo zu kalim in Reb Meir says this whole thing just doesn't make sense to him. Um, how could it be that even the the lesser, the least tuma sources, like a sheretz, um, of the of the avosatuma, something the tuma source has to be at least what's called an avatuma. I can't translate that exactly, um, but I'll, I'll call it not as a primary source of tuma. So those are the things which make people as well as utensils tame. So there's a list of them. The least potent of all the avosatuma is the sheretz, just the dead, like rodent or reptile from that list of eight, um, because they, if you exposed to such a, a dead chair, it's like a dead rat, so it only conveys tuma specifically by maga, direct contact, your skin touching the dead rat, um, and nothing else, as opposed to other tuma sources which can convey tuma more in more indirect ways. Okay, so the point is, even a sheretz, if a person touches it and then he goes to the base of mikdash, he's liable for the chatas, the lviurid, or, or if it was, or karas, was mazed, so for sure, or viasa blood, which is makes you tummy for seven days and it conveys to him by ohel and so on, for sure you should be liable um, if you get that kind of exposure for tumah and then go into the base of Mikdash. That's your bear's contention. The mission doesn't even bother responding to it. The reason why is because, although that sounds perfectly reasonable, since we have halach lomash that it's not true, so it's not true, okay, or a limit, whatever the story is. So therefore, although his logic sounds reasonable, if it's a lachal Moshe the logic doesn't doesn't really make much of a difference. And the truth is, we'll explore that topic um, in just a moment in the rest of the Mishnah. But that's sort of the first I'll call the paragraph of the Mishnah, and the lacha is going to be that indeed um, a person who has exposure just to revius of blood, magamas or hes or or ohel, it doesn't matter. He won't be liable in the base of mikdash um, for bringing tumah there. That's step one. Now. Step two, a new paragraph, if you will. So here, Amar Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, 
Danti Lifne Rabbi Eliezer. He says, I presented the following Kalvachomer to Rabbi Eliezer, trying to convince him that the, of the following. Ma'im etzem kasaora she'ena matama adam ba'ohel. If it comes to a bone fragment that's just the size of a barley corn that only conveys tuma by maga or masa, direct contact or bearing its weight, but not by ohel, not to the mechanism of ohel, so it's less potent relative to blood. And yet, hanazir migalech al magaov al masao, the nazir who touches it or bears its weight, the, this bone fragment, he is going to have to cut his hair and start again. So then, revius dam, so then a, a quarter lug of blood, shehu metama adam ba'ohel, that conveys tuma not just by mag and masa, but also by ohel, so you see it's a more potent source of tuma, this revius of blood, eno din, doesn't it stand to reason from a kol v'chomer, logic, I'll call it for lack of a better term right now, that isn't it seem that it must be true? Shehehanazir megalech al magau masa, that a nazir who touches it or bears its weight should have to shave his hair and start again. Now, Rabbi Kiva is just focusing on the on the maga and masa because he's just saying he's trying to make a very simple equation. Simple classic kovachomer. A less potent source of toma is the bone fragment. The more potent source of toma is the revius of blood. Why is one more potent than the other? Because revius of blood does everything that a bone fragment does, plus conveys tumma by means of ohel, whereas the bone fragment does not. So, you see, and that's, so it's clearly blood in proper amount, a revius, is more potent than bone fragment in its proper amount, meaning just in any amount, whatever, in a, in a big as a, a bone fragment at least the size of, of a barley corn. So... Simple clovachomer. If the bone fragment by touching or lifting makes a person who's a nazir start have to start again, so too the blood by touching or lifting magramasa should require the nazir to have to shave his hair and start again. Simple clovachomer. Truth is, Rabbi Kiva would say the same is true for ohel, but he's we're putting that aside. Um, either because um, he just does, he, the clovachomer he doesn't want to go beyond that, or some learn that Rabbi Kiva held that the that while the ohel mechanism for blood is a halakha moshmasina that it doesn't require the nazir to work. So some learn, okay, Rabbi Kiva says, fine, halakha moshmasina that the nazir doesn't, doesn't go for ohel with the revius of blood to have to start again, but that's not the case by mago masa, direct contact or lifting its weight, which should be the same, at least as the less potent source of toma, the bone fragment. So, now, Rabbi Eliezer is going to push back and say, Rabbi Eliezer, no, you're not correct. Now, to understand why, I want to make sure something is clear here. The starting point of this Kol Homer, that even a bone fragment, if you touch it or bear its weight, makes the Nazar have to start again, how do we know that? We know that from a, from a Halacha Moshe Sinai all to itself. So actually, this is, I'll call this a third Halacha Moshe Sinai. Why is that the case? Because the Pasuk that tells us that the Specifically, corpse tumma sets the nazir back to start again. As a contrast, if he becomes a zav or a mitzar, we saw he doesn't start again. Touches a sheriff, doesn't start again. But corpse tumma, yes, is based the pasuk which says al nefesh meis lo yavo. He can't like come into I don't know the precinct of the the corpse. So yavo come into the zone of it is understood to referring to corpses which can or significant portions thereof which can convey too much just by being in their 
precinct presence and by means of ohel. So fine. So we understand that things that convey when a person gets exposed to a corpse by means of ohel and he's a nazir, he has to start again. But touching a, a bone fragment, which cannot convey to him by ohel, bone fragments only by magamasa. So how do we know that a nazir has to start again? Because that is the din. So that's a, another halach lemosh sinai. So if you're keeping track here, you may have as many as three separate distinct halachos lemosh sinai in this Mishnah, you know, being referenced directly or indirectly. The first is that the revias of blood, although it makes you tummy, doesn't make the nazar start again. The second is that a person who's exposed to revias of dumb doesn't have to bring a korban if he goes to the base of English, not a nazar, just a regular person. And number three, that a bone fragments the size of a barley corn, if one touches it um, and he's a nazar, he has to start again. That's a third halach of Moshe Sinai. So to that, Rabbi Ezra says, Rabbi Akiva, I'm sorry, but I'm not accepting your kol v'chomer. Maza Akiva, what Akiva are you thinking? What are you doing? What are you, what are you talking about? Ein danin kan You can't apply a kolvachomer over here. And this is a fascinating point. Rabbi Eliezer is saying, listen, the halacha that a bone fragment that touches a nazir forces him to start again his count, or if he bears away through masa, that's halacha lamosh misinai. And a kolvachomer is not logic. It's not just, you know, something that's just compelling logically. It's one of the Yudgim Amidah Torah and It's one of the ways, specific ways, 13 ways, let's call them, that the Torah is data from the Torah, information from the Torah, halachas from the Torah, it's extrapolated. And that's not about logic. It's like encoded in the Torah by means of, it's not illogical, but it's the mechanism by which one extracts halacha through the Torah, so the Midah Torah and like Kolva Homer, is not logic. It's something else. You know, my, my metaphor, my analogy is that you know, when I was a kid, they used to, on the back of cereal boxes, have a little, like, secret, quote-unquote, secret messages and a code. And then inside the cereal box was this, this decoder ring, which told you, like, you know, how to how to transit the code um, from the random letters to the letters that, that send the message. So the point is, using the decoder ring is not, you're not decoding the message by means of logic, not deduction or something like that. It's simply, there's a decoder ring, and, it, and since the author of the code created a decoder ring, so the decoder ring is the legitimate way and the proper way to decode the message. You could imagine if a person were a very clever author, he could make two messages hidden in the same you know, code and two decoder rings and, and to interpret it in two different ways. And that's what Hashem did. Hashem basically embedded in the Torah Shabbat Sav, the written Torah, um, the ability to be extracted with 13 different decoder rings, these thir- the 13 different midos, if that's how many there are. So that's fine, but the point is it's not logic. So that's just a decodering that applies to the Torah Shebechsav, the Torah text. And the rule that a bone fragment causes the Nazir to have to start again his count, if the Nazir does Magra Masa with the bone fragment, that's not, a, that's not written in the Chumash anywhere. It's not Torah Shebechsav. That's Torah Shebechsav. That's part of the Halacha Lamosh Mesinai. And you can't apply the Midosh Shatur Nazir such as Kol to Torah Shabbat Again, the, the punchline here, which takes some further explaining perhaps, but the punchline is that a Kol is not just logic. It's, and therefore, it can't apply to someone where it doesn't apply, like Torah Shabbat And therefore, says Rabbi, Akiva, says Rabbi Eliezer to Rabbi Akiva, so therefore, you just can't make this Kol V'chomer. What you're saying makes logical sense, perhaps, but this isn't about logic. Torah Midas Shatur Nezhesmen are not logic, and therefore you can't apply that decoder ring of a Kol to Halachal Moshe Misinai that 
the bone fragment sets the Nazir back. Now, Rabbi Kiva, I guess, went to his other Rebbe. He had two Rebbeim, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer. So Rabbi Eliezer said no. He went to Rabbi Yeshua, and he says, Ukeshabasi vehirtseisi devarm lifnei Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Kiva reports, I also tried to convince Rabbi Yeshua of my Kovachomer that we should be allowed to learn out from the bone fragment exposure, um, maga, that it should apply to reset the to reset the Kohen. So, so too, the blood exposure should force the, sorry, not the Kohen, the Nazir. The bone fragment exposure through Magra Masa should require, since just as that requires the Nazir to start his count again, so too, a revius of blood exposure by Magra Masa, at least, um, should require the Nazir to start his count again. Amr li yafa Marta, and Rabbi Yeshua said to Rabbi Kiva, what you said is true and good. It means your, your Kova Homer stands. It's true. The thing is, this is a halacha. So the Pashup Shah reading is that they're saying the exact same thing, and you just, it's, what you're saying sounds nice by logic, but you can't apply logic in this context because it's not logical to Kova Homer, and Kova Homer not logical. Um, the Gra explains in Eli Raba and Yadaim, um, Per Gimel there, that, that actually they're not saying the exact same thing. Okay, and this is pretty interesting um, to me. Uh, Rabbi Ezra said, as I said before, a kova chomer simply doesn't apply to Tarsha Baalpeh, which was what we're dealing with over here, so therefore you can't get off the ground. Rabbi Yeshua says you could apply the logic of kova chomer to a Tarsha Baalpeh, so you could apply it to the, the halacha Moshe Messina we have, that the bone fragment does set the set the Nazir back also. It's just that we have a halacha. In other words, we have like a halacha Moshe Messina, which tells us no. It tells us no, the Revius of blood doesn't um, doesn't set the, the Nazir back. And therefore, although your your logic and your, your drush is compelling, we have a halacha, Lamosh Messina, that's not true. So, of course, we defer to our tradition, the halacha Messina, and therefore, which says not true. So then, again, that will be the halacha, presumably, that um, a person who, a Nazir who is, touches uh, Revius of blood or lifts it, um, does not start again. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that it, it you know, I'll call it quote unquote logic would tell you otherwise.